Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. No matter what time of day you may be uh, hearing this message, I trust that it'll be a blessing to you. This is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and I'm glad you were able to join us today. I hope you can join in for today's edition, episode 59 of our Bible Bites, as we read through God's Holy Word. And for today, my reading is found in Deuteronomy chapter 3 and 4. And so I'd like to uh, pick out some things here and just uh, elaborate on those today as, um, as we're moving through God's Word. And if you'll remember, we talked yesterday in, as we entered Deuteronomy about how Deuteronomy gives us expansion of understanding. He, <coughs> Moses, <coughs> goes back and he talks about a lot of the, the things that they've done, the places they've been, the things that have happened to them. But now we're getting even deeper understanding, even more information on backstory and things like that. And so he continues that a little bit in chapter 3. And it's interesting because, you know, the Bible talks about giants, about how there were certain people that were known to be giants. We, um, we read when we get into second, uh, 1 Samuel about David and Goliath, and Goliath was a giant. That's the most well-known giant in the Bible, but there were others. And so here we read about one, and his name was Og, the king of Bashan. And when the Bible's talking about giants, they are just to give you a general idea about what we're talking about here. Now, for instance, Goliath, according to the scriptures, was about nine and a half feet tall. Um, here, Og, notice this, that it tells us in verse 11, the details about this, the bedstead of this giant to give us an idea of how big he was. And so, it says that this iron bedstead was when you um, when you take the cubit that it gives us and uh, calculate it out. It's about thirteen and a half feet long. His bed was, and six feet wide. So that gives us a little bit of an idea of how big this giant was. And, you know, beloved, it made me think about how we may not be facing 13 and a half feet physical giants in our life, but there are trials and there are things that appear to be giants that face us. And God, God told them specifically, do not fear this giant because I've delivered him into your hands. And so Moses was, and the children of Israel were able to overcome this giant and to defeat him because they had God on their side. And God is a giant killer. So I just want to encourage you with that, that the giants meet their match when God comes into play because God will destroy any giant that you may face. Hallelujah. Then go down. Let's look down to verse 21 and 22 here again exercising of faith not fear it says and i commanded joshua at that time saying your eyes have seen all that the lord your god will has done to these two kings so will the lord do to all the kingdoms through which you pass you must not fear them for the lord your god himself fights for you 
So, beloved, when there appear to be giants, spiritual giants or emotional giants or some other type of giant in your life, and God is on your side, be it known, beloved, that the Lord your God himself is fighting for you. Do not fear them because God will give you the victory. Hallelujah. Then in verse 28... I love in verse 24, he recounts the goodness of God and how there's no other God on earth that can do anything like our God. And then in verse 28, remember, yesterday I mentioned <clears throat> Moses is going off of the scene soon. And it's soon going to be Joshua's time. And so this whole book of Deuteronomy is, in essence, his last words. He's giving this as a summation to the new generation that's going to go in and take the land. So these are, in essence, Moses' last words on earth before he passes and the torch passes from Moses to Joshua. And so God had instructed Moses to raise up Joshua, to mentor him, to train him. And now he tells him, he says, but command Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him. For he shall go before this people, and he shall cause them to inherit the land which you will see. <clears throat> so a leader's responsibility or a mentor's responsibility for those that they are training up to continue the work and to serve with them or after them is to command or to give them instruction, give them wisdom, teach them. And also to encourage them, and we saw that yesterday, and to strengthen them, to help empower them and give them the ability, the enabling that they need to carry on the work. So that is part of what God's responsibility is as we are preparing to pass on from this life as we get older and we want to pass we want to prepare to pass the torch because God's will is that it carries forward the faith continues from one generation to the next and the work of the kingdom continues from one generation to the next so here's some principles for those of us that are seeking to do that and to pass the torch to other people some guiding principles of how we can do that with those that will be coming along behind us. Then we get into chapter 4. <clears throat> and in chapter 4, he speaks a lot about the judgments and the commandments and what God showed them. And there will be more of this throughout the book of Deuteronomy. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he says in verse 2, a warning this warning is also found in Revelation chapter 22. And it says, you shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it. And you'll find a similar warning in Revelation 22 about not adding to the words, nor taking away from the words. We must take the whole counsel of God and the whole truth of God, and we cannot distort it. We can't add to it. We can't take away the parts that maybe are unpleasant or that are hard and difficult. We take the whole of God's word and we have to honor him in that. And then he goes on <clears throat> and he commends those that had believed in God and those that held fast and didn't disobey God. In verse 4, but you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. Hallelujah. 
Notice in verse 1, God's desire in chapter 4 of Deuteronomy, verse 1. Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I teach you to observe. The reason? Or in order that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you. God, even, even when Jesus came on the scene, he reiterated this very word in a sense because he said what? I've come to give life and that more abundantly. It is God's desire that we live, that we live healthily and whole and, and in peace and in prosperity, in, in the things that matter. It, we may not all have riches and some of us, we don't need riches and riches would be a snare to us. But God does want us to prosper in the things that matter. He wants us to be healthy. He wants us to be blessed and enjoy our life and have a good quality of life. And so the purpose of what he has written in his word is so that we will live and enjoy our lives and go in and be able to possess and enjoy all that God has for us in the kingdom. Hallelujah. That's God's desire. Now, in verse 9, I want to read verse 7 and 8. For it says, For what great nation is there? Oh, hallelujah. For what great nation is there that has God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us for whatever reason we may call upon him? And what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as are in all this law, which I set before you this day? Now, verse 9 tells us our responsibility in response to verse 7 and 8. In response to verse 7 and 8, the people of God have a corresponding action and a corresponding responsibility because God has been so good to us. Even though this was written to the nation of Israel in Christ, we are the seed of Abraham and, and heirs to the promises and the word of God is for us today, just like it was for them in their day. And, and think about it, beloved. What great people are we, the people of God, that have God so near to us? as the Lord our God is to us, for whatever reason we may call upon him. Beloved, whatever the reason is, God is near to us. And he wants us to know that. And he wants us to call out to him. And then our response is, <clears throat> verse 9, only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself lest you forget the things your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. And notice this, and teach them to your children and your grandchildren. Hallelujah. And then it goes on down in verse, uh, later in verse 10, it says that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth and that they may teach their children. 
God's desire is for the faith to be passed on from one generation to the next. And that we as parents, as grandparents, have a responsibility and an influence. We have an opportunity given by God to influence future generations of ours as much as possible for the kingdom of God. Beloved, I pray that you will be doing that. Whether you have physical children or grandchildren, <clears throat> maybe you have spiritual children or those that look up to you as parents or, or as godparents and you can pour into people's lives. That's what our service to God is all about, is investing in people. Jesus said, "When whatever you do to one of the least of these, the little ones, you do it unto me. So beloved, let us take up that mantle and pour in as much as we can to our children, to our grandchildren, and to coming future generations. Hallelujah. There's another warning <clears throat> that we need to notice in verse 19, God's talking about, um, he's reminding them about the uh, commandments not to make any kind of graven image or corrupt uh, image in any way to worship other gods but him. And he says in verse 19, and take heed lest you lift your eyes to heaven. And when you see the sun, the moon, the stars, all the host of heaven, you feel driven to worship them and serve them which the Lord your God has given to all the peoples under the whole heaven as a heritage. So the, the danger here and the uh, warning here is that we cannot always trust our feelings because here, at least in my version, it talks about how you would feel driven to worship them. Feelings can be dangerous and they can be misleading. So we always need to make sure we check our emotions, we check our feelings, we check our thoughts, all of that by the standard of the Word of God. We put it through the filter of God's Word. And if it doesn't match up with God's Word, we need to reject it, no matter how good it might feel, no matter how, because, because even the Scriptures tell us that sin is pleasant for a season, but it will have a nasty bite and it will separate you from God and from fellowship with God. So let's don't trust our feelings. Feelings can be dangerous. Notice in verse 22 through 23 of this same chapter, Moses' heart. He is bearing his heart. He is pleading with the people to honor God and to obey him. And then notice in verse 24, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Now, whether we might think this is just an Old Testament thing, beloved, it's repeated in the New Testament. And we are told in the New Testament, I believe it's in the book of Hebrews, that our God is a consuming fire. Our God is Elkanah. He is a jealous God. And when it says this jealousy, it's talking about in the sense of a protectiveness, like a mama bear would be about her cubs, or like a hen would be about her chickies, her little chickens. She is going to protect them. Mama bear 
is going to protect those cups. She's going to brood over them. She's going to hover over them. She's going to know where they are and what they are doing, and she's going to take care of them. And so Elkanah, a jealous God, is telling us that God broods over us. He is jealous over us. It's, it's the kind of jealousy because he's telling them, you've been separated from other people to be mine, to be in love with me, to be my people, to let me dwell within you and with you through life. And so it's, it's that kind of thing like a, a bride and a groom would be. They separate from one another. And then a husband will have that kind of jealousy over his wife or a wife over the husband so that no other love can, get inter, can interfere with their relationship. And it's that kind of jealousy that is spoken of here. Hallelujah. We have a jealous God, one who broods over us, one who loves us and who cares for us and, and who wants us to be separated for him because he loves us that much. And then in verse 35, he goes on down in 29 and he starts talking about how when they stray away that our God drives them away uh, into different lands and places that they will seek the Lord and find him when they search for him with their whole heart. And beloved, that's true of any person alive on the earth. When you seek after God with your whole heart, you seek him truly and sincerely. He will reveal himself to you for he is merciful. <clears throat> he is a merciful God. Hallelujah. And then in verse, in verse 35, it says, To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord himself is God. There is none other beside him. And then it goes on and it repeats that again in verse 39. There is no other. God is El Elyon. He is God most high and he has no rival and he has no equal. Hallelujah. God is above the fray. God is above the storm. God is above the earth. He is the highest of highest of highest. He has no rival and he has no equal. Praise God. And yet this highest God in the highest above even all the heavens that, that we can imagine. Imagine this. The, the scientists have told us billions and billions of light years of, of material out in the outer space, of planets and stars and galaxies and all of these things, this vast, this vast universe, and they can't even get to the end of it. And they're already telling us about billions and billions of light years of things. And yet God is above all of that. And still, this great God is the one who is so near to us for whatever reason we may call upon him. Think about that. I pray that that thought will resonate with you this day over and over as you think about this great God, the greatest of greatest of gods, that is a, the greatest God there is, the only true and living God that is higher than all of the vast universe and the heights of heaven. And yet, for the Christian, for those who know him intimately, he is so 
near to us for whatever reason we may call upon him. I pray this blesses you and resonates in your spirit and that God will speak to you through his word. May you join us again for future episodes of Bible Bites and may God bless you today in Jesus' name.